Welcome to the Cyberbytes podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Esperon Search, a niche solely focused cybersecurity search firm. This week's guest, we've got Mike Privet, CISO at Passport and VC Advisor. I have known Mike for some time now, and I'm super stoked to have him on as our first guest on the pod. We're going to deep dive into Mike's background and his track to CISO, as well as discuss all the active contributions to the InfoSec community and all the hats he wears outside of the office. I hope you enjoy. First things first, how are you, brother? Hey, just good. Good to have uh, me on the show, and uh, thanks for the invite. No, absolutely. Pleasure's all mine, my man. Pleasure's all mine. I saw you flew up to New York uh, last week for the Blue and Link Ventures dinner that we co-sponsored with JPs. How was it? Yeah, it was great. It was a great event, really small gathering, uh, great French restaurants, a very cool atmosphere. Uh, and it was, uh, it was small enough you could actually interact with people and nice. like in here out. So that was really nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's the broader bag gift, Mike. I'm going to be sort of going back, right back to where it all began to get into the industry to sort of where you've uh, all the way to the journey of where you've got to be in a CSIRT passport. Um, I guess we can go as far back as to, to being a developer for that for that small short period if you want. Um, but yeah, how did it all begin for you? Yeah, uh, it, it kind of begun uh, in, in a way that was different than like a lot of other like people who are starting out in the field now. Like there was no cybersecurity degree. There was barely a field of cybersecurity uh, the kind of the only really way you got into cybersecurity was by way of IT, and it was just something else you kind of did on the side, uh, but it didn't have anywhere near the amount of the focus that it did but today. But um, I came in like undergrad, I did uh, management information systems, which is basically like computer science light and business light combined together. Um, and uh, I got, got my first job um, doing some uh, development work for like the school of business that I, that I went to, uh, just like helping lower, uh, lower class uh, students with programming questions. Uh, and then I pivoted into public accounting, which is where the whole journey kind of began. Um, I started my career uh, about the same time that Sarbanes-Oxley hit the world mm-hmm. and Enron scandal. Uh, so everyone was like, oh my gosh, the IT systems move money and they can hide money too. Or they can hide bad transactions. Uh, and so I, I spent most of my first two years out of school uh, doing consulting of like that type of work and audits and IT audits of all types. And I kind of got a specialty into banking in that area, I, being in the Charlotte uh, area, mm-hmm. lots of banks nearby. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I got a specialty in that. And then 2008 uh, stock market or housing crash. Um, I actually got laid off. A lot of people don't, don't know that, but I got, I got laid off uh, during the Great Recession, as my kids call it now. Um, but I was very fortunate to land at another bank doing uh, external like vendor security assessments. Uh-huh. And that was a pretty pivotal role. Like one, I was, I was young and I got to travel the world to go to different sites and understand how different companies were using uh, the bank's data or processing something on the bank's behalf. So I learned a lot, learned a ton about how processes work, how, how uh, critical systems work, um, and then how different companies operated. Mm-hmm. And then after that role, I was a bit tired of asking questions and I said, hey, I want to push buttons. I'd rather do that instead. Uh, and so that was kind of a pivot uh, into my into banking still, but it was in more of an engineering role. Um, and so I, I jokingly tell people that I audited my way into engineering and then that you know, back my way into security, but 
um, it's, it's not a traditional path. Even back then it wasn't traditional, but, mm-hmm. um, I, that's where I started. And that's where I started getting a lot deeper on building systems, maintaining systems, um, understanding always with an eye towards auditing and compliance and reliability, because, you know, I worked in banks, heavily regulated, heavily scrutinized, uh, mm-hmm. and everything they did. So that was a, that was a key kind of pivotal role for me making that engineering leap. And then from the engineering standpoint, that's when I basically just kind of leveled up on engineering after that. So I just kept trying to go senior engineer to architect to just keep going higher and higher in that realm. Um, and then engineering kind of remained a core focus of my career uh, until then I got my first uh, uh, people manager job, yep. uh, led my first team. And then I then moved, went on again to another bank to then build out uh, a whole program of teams. So multiple teams, I was managing managers who were managing teams. Um, and then uh, somewhere along the way, I went to business school because I said I wanted to get like a different, you know, a different perspective because I'd been so focused in technology, so focused in engineering. I was like, I think it was probably worth it for me to just do something a bit different than what the rest of the people I was you know, looking up to or aspiring to be like did. Mm-hmm. Um, Many of them have just followed the technical trail all the way up. Um, and so I said, it's probably good for me to know some of this business stuff. And so I went and uh, did a, an MBA while I was still had a full-time job and, and uh, I just started a family. I don't recommend that, by the way, if anybody does that. Like, it's really stressful <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> I was going to say, how uh, is that? <laughs> uh, I, I would say it's terrible. My wife would say it's like even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's, uh, it, it was a good experience just because it made me think very differently than how I was thinking prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what actually started the, the entrepreneurial itch in my head. And I thought, well, how can I use my years of security experience, but also add some entrepreneurial flair to it or get closer to startups or get closer to that, that world, or I can see things moving faster. And, uh, and so that, that kind of led me down the path of, eventually starting my own consulting business pre-COVID. Um, and, you know, I, it's funny because I, I started the business like in November 2019. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first client uh, on the side while I still had my day job. And then COVID happened. Uh, then I thought, well, that was, you know, that was kind of fun. Uh, you know, maybe I'll pick this up later yeah. or whatever. Uh, and then much to my surprise, it actually took off because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people wanted small a uh, short burst of like consulting work. And so I said, Hey, I can do that in the margins. And, uh, I did that. And then it, it took off to the point where I actually ended up selling it to another like group of like family office and, um, you know, a small office, uh, backed, uh, founders. And then I then took a side step out of the banking world and then helped this company stand up like a managed security services business. Um, got that started profitable running, uh, and then that leads me all the way up to then now Passport was one of that, that company's customers. Mm-hmm. So then Passport said, hey, we're going to go, you know, try to go big and go IPO one day. Will you come start a program for us and run that? Um, and so I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give that a shot. So that's a very long window, but that's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. up I love to. That. Cool. <laughs> well, we've known each other a little while now, Mike, and I, I didn't yeah. know any of that backstory. So it's been good to, to actually learn a little bit about you, man. Um, first things first, obviously picking at it, obviously being laid off right now, it's sort of, uh, all over LinkedIn. We're seeing 
yep. thousands of layoffs from across tech. So would you say that that was probably one of the, the biggest hurdles in your, your career to date? It was, uh, you know, I never expected to get laid off. I mean, like I was, you know, it's my first job out of college. Um, so aside from like being shocked and like, you know, embarrassed, I was like, oh man, this is going to change everything. Um, I think if there was any silver lining to be had in that, it's that so many other people got laid off too, just like now. Mm. It wasn't hard to pitch myself at the next job. Like I didn't have to explain too much. I'm like, well, I was just part of a massive layoff. You know, a couple hundred people got laid off on the same day. It is what it is. And so I, then I could just focus on like what I could do for the next company. Um, so it was a very pivotal role. Uh, and I was very lucky to be in a field that was still within demand and I could still pivot kind of closely in the audit or security space. Um, and so that was hard to, um, for a lot of people who didn't have that kind of background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was very lucky. And like, I wish I could say that I like planned it all, but it was total, like you can't, you can't take out the random chance in this, in this world on that stuff. But, uh, it was a very, very pivotal moment to help me land the next role. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess another thing that I took from from that background of yours is that you mentioned that you then went into an engineering focus. Mm-hmm. Um, as a CISO, obviously, you're sort of like the unicorn being a technical CISO these days. Um, how did you remain technical whilst then managing? Because you mentioned that you managed managers. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to do that? Uh, it, it wasn't easy. And like, it, truthfully, it's not something you can do at every company um, because typically the, the higher you go up, the less you deal with the tech, the more you deal with personalities or sometimes I like to say lack thereof. Uh, and then it's all about like in, uh, influence and persuasion and timing, and budgeting, um, all of those things. Like you can't ignore those things, but if you can then still stay close enough to the tech and get some people who you know can trust who can go super deep, mm-hmm and give you the real shake of this and say like, all right, is, is this, is this for real? Is this, is this worth our time? Or is this, should we spend more? Should we spend less? Um, and so like building up that kind of trusted network of people that you can either take with you or, or bring with you to new places, I think is a, is a huge aspect because, because then so much, you know, you don't have to explain or have to go too deep on mm-hmm. knowing whether or not it's the right technical fit. And then you can then take your time to get roadblocks out of their way mm-hmm. to let them go deep and wide as they need to go. But, um, truthfully it's, it's, it's people need to think about careers as like a swinging pendulum. Right. So like at some points in your career, you're going to need to be all the way on the tech side. Mm -hmm. And then other times in your career, you're going to need to be sorted in the middle, be able to talk to both sides. And then sometimes you're going to need to be just like super polished on like the executive presidents Mm -hmm. or the presidents and you know, that aspect of it. But, good careers in my opinion are based on your ability to transition between those roles as needed. So uh, when I was at uh, one of my companies, I had a very young team, meaning like there were, many of them were uh, entry level talent. Uh-huh. So there was a lot to learn. And I had just come off like a team lead role where I was like the lead technical person and then also had some you know, management responsibilities as well. So I was already in the mode of teaching, documenting, and like getting people up to speed. Uh-huh. And so it, I, I put in a lot of work as well as managing a lot of the work. So it was, it, and it's no easy feat to be in, have one foot in both worlds, Yeah. but sometimes you have to. Um, and then once you can get them up and rolling and you can get them doing stuff that well beyond what you can do, which I think is probably one of the coolest parts about being a manager is being able to like see others go way further than you would have ever thought. Um, for even for yourself, completely agree. But, but like, once you get that going, then like you can, 
you can then like focus on higher level strategic things and, and keep it going like that. But it's, it's one of those things you have to like kind of actively work out. So you need to, you need to have the executive presence. You need to have the polish. You need to be able to make PowerPoints because people got to make PowerPoints. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how companies talk. Yeah. Um, but you still have to know when to call bluff or like have say some, you know, go yeah. to someone and say, is it really this big of a deal or, or can we do it differently? Or can you, can you explain how we can kind of leapfrog this problem mm -hmm. and, and focus on the next big problem? Got it. Got it. How did you um, find the transition from, from FS financial service to, to, to a tech business like a FinTech? How did that feel and how was it? Was you the first security hire at Passport coming in or was there a, a, a security function there? Was it a complete build from scratch? Like, how was that? Yeah, so I was the first official security hire, like by position. Uh, luckily, like the founding team, the founding CTO is he's a rock star and had like he had great abilities to make like really resilient and really good services. So like they had already done a lot of foundational work, uh -huh. but there was there was kind of no structure and there was no like program mapping or guidance. And then you know all the audit functions and all the compliance functions were super manual, very reactive, very kind of disorganized based on whatever they could get away with on the auditor on sometimes. Um, and so I had to quickly, I had to go back to that pendulum where I had to wear both hats very quickly. So I needed to be able to take a look at our AWS infrastructure and say, okay, here's what I think needs to approve. Here's what I think need to change. But then I also need to go pitch like buying something, managing a budget, you know, making the business case and the roadmap uh, for our executive team and for our board and say, Here's, here's why I'm suggesting we do what we do. Here's how I'm going to use your capital. Here's what you get from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it's a, it's a constant like hat switching exercise, which is truthfully the funnest part yeah. um, for, for me anyway. But um, it's, I, I don't think it would have been as successful had I not done that sides quest, as I call it for this consulting business where I got to talk to a lot of small companies, uh, tech, tech companies and otherwise that just needed help creating programs and they didn't know where to start. Like yeah. they knew they needed something, but they couldn't afford to pay like, you know, the 500 K for like an Ernst and young or a Deloitte to come in and tell them here's a, here's a PowerPoint of why you need to hire us again. Um, so I, I had, I got used to uh, operating low and then pulling back up to explain why I operated low. Um, and that's, that's a really cool experience that you, you honestly, you honestly don't get a lot of like big companies. You don't get the, the ability to swing back and forth. And yeah, um, but it, it was something that I, you know, I think is really important. Um, if you get the chance to do it, like I, I encourage people to, to give it a shot, um, yeah. cause you just, you just hyper, you'll leapfrog your experience in that way. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So look, segueing on the wear of many hats, like it, we, <laughs> we know that that's definitely you, mate. Um, so obviously you're like a VC advisor, uh, for, for a couple of, uh, venture capital businesses. Can you just tell us a little bit more about, about that role and what that, what that actually means? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this role kind of came about when I, uh, I, when I made my first consulting business, yeah, I kind of had two arms to the same business. Like, so one was like virtual consulting, or VCISO is the term as they call it, uh, to small businesses. And then the other side of that coin was talking to venture capital companies because where startups are, VCs are. Um, and so I kind of got the uh, introduction to that world by way of an accelerator program here in Charlotte called Queen City FinTech. Uh, now it's called RevTech Labs. Uh, but I, I got the ability to talk to startup founders trying to, to 
often sell their products and services to large banks. Okay. And then I got to explain like kind of how it works. Like, you know, here's how you get onboarded as a vendor. And that always kind of went on to then be introduced to their VC backed founders um, or, and then the VC firms themselves. And then um, what, what I realized is like that, you know, I have a lot of opinions, apparently, uh, a lot of strong <laughs> opinions. <'cause> I, <laughs> I have, uh, I've spent, you know, so many years buying software and hardware and then living with it, the technology mm-hmm. uh, ramifications, which I think is like a piece you don't hear a lot of is like, uh, hey, I bought this and then I lived with it and it wasn't as good as I thought, or somebody else bought this and I had to put it in and live with it and make it good. Um, that aspect is not often talked about. And so like, I would basically share my my learnings about that with VC firms, which then turned into like me helping them understand technical concepts of like, well, here is identity and access management. Here's why it's hard in big companies, or here's why regulators focus on this over that. Um, and you know, that turned into like kind of a, a ongoing advisory business for a few firms where I'd either help them with due diligence for specific companies, or I'd even help them more broadly understand like a specific product category space. So like, Hey, what is attack surface management and how is it different than other things? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it turned into like basically the research exercises for me, which is a lot of fun. I like, I like writing, I like researching. So that was, um, something I just figured out that people, other VCs also valued. So I just, uh, decided to make it a, a full-time thing. Oh yeah, and is this how the, the newsletters has then evolved, the security funded? I'm really keen to, to learn how that all came about. Yeah, so actually, so my, 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 actually my marketing strategy for my first consulting business was uh, content-driven marketing. Mm-hmm. So my, my goal was, I didn't want to spend that money on ads. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to just talk to random people that I didn't know. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to serve the world. I was trying to write blog posts and content like thought leadership-esque type pieces to attract people and then be able to point back to something and say like, oh, here's a piece I wrote on this. Here's what I can help you with your program or help you with your investing or something like that. Um, and then I started writing it for that group. And then once once I started actually working with the, the VCs, I kind of found myself explaining concepts again and again. And I'm, I'm very much like a lazy engineer thinking. I'm like... I don't want to have to explain this again. I'm going to write it down once so I can send it to you. Yeah. And so then it, one, it clarifies my own thinking. And then it's like something to always refer back to that I can keep updating. Um, and so I started writing the newsletter for that group at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that got, they were like, Hey, you should really send this out to other people. Um, and so I, I started like just posting it uh, on return on security.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I kept thinking about other ways like, what would what would help me and help others be like more situationally aware in this industry when it comes to like how many puts and takes and how many funding rounds and how much activity is going on in the cybersecurity market? Nobody's tracking that. I wonder if I just tracked it and, and if people would like that. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how security funded evolved. Like I, I posted a couple tweets and I was like, one like and I'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> And I got one like that wasn't that wasn't just mine, yeah. um, and so I, I did it again, and then I did it again, and I kept getting a little bit of feedback, and then I said, "Well, I guess I'm just I'm going to email people this," and um, that sort of started the the snowball effect of, yeah. of security funded. Yeah, awesome. How many subs have you got now? Like, how how long have you been running security funders? I know obviously you've got a new new newsletter as well, which you're pushing out. Secure the job. Yeah. Yeah, well, so security funded almost two years. Um, it'll be two years in. Well, actually, I mean, it's to be a hundred issues in July. 
Um, but I'm coming up on two years working on that. Um, just past like 1,650 this morning nice. uh, subscribers. So it was, it's was been slow growth. And then it just sort of, you know, as it goes on, it, like it, I collect them, uh, them faster. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed that like, um, you know, people who are discovering and find it useful. Like I, I love, I love hearing that. Um, cause that's we're, kind of the whole goal for right now. Yeah. We're, we're huge fans here at Astron. Like uh, we're pushing out as, and as you can see from me, we're, we're, in, the seat, <laughs> we're in the swag, but, um, no, I appreciate you sending that through. Um, so secure the jobs, the, the newest, uh, newsletter keen to get that plugged as well. So what's, what's that? Yeah. How did that secure get the job? So th this one's like another spin on, you know, the newsletter concept. I, I found people like newsletters, uh, newsletters broadly are kind of having a big moment as they say right now. Um, and I think that's because it's so hard to get attention online. Uh, cause so many people are pushing attention, uh, seeking content, mm -hmm. some of it good, some of it not good, probably most of it not good. Uh, so it's, yeah, I, I wanted to experiment with a medium I already knew newsletters with, uh, getting something a little more targeted for people, uh, because, you know, as you know, because you staff our industry, so, you know, so much, so many people looking for jobs, so many job openings can't fill the jobs. And there's so much noise and churn and uh, hype around requirements and, and salary. Um, so it's in, you know, and it's a still very trust based uh, community. So it's, it's hard to kind of know who, where to follow and where to find the right job, especially if you're getting started, or trying to make your next career pivot. So I thought, well, if I just kind of smartly pivot or partner with a few people, a few companies, a few uh, uh, recruiting firms that I, that I like, and just sort of highlight a few jobs here and there, it'll be a little bit more consumable for people to take on. And then they can say, oh, this is, easy. you know, I, I like this idea. I'm interested in, in engineering roles or sales roles or, uh, or leadership type roles. And, you know, they can find something for them without having to go broadly search for it and sift through everything and just yeah. curate the list. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Love that. So I know you've been posting recently around some of the lessons learned for, for writing a newsletter, just for anyone that is going to listen to this and think, Hey, I'm interested in pushing out a newsletter, maybe not all four lessons, but what, what's one of the biggest pieces of advice you'll, you'll give someone. Uh, honestly, I, I think the hardest piece or like the, the biggest piece of advice is like, don't set out to make money doing it. It's, it's far better to set out to be consistent on a topic you'd love to learn more about. So say you'd love to learn more about a certain field, like, uh, and you just want to know, you know, how do, how do you approach the field? What is the field all about? And then see how deep you can go and how consistent you can be with like writing about a, a topic or a series of topics you like, mm. because the consistency aspect of it is what makes it successful. You know, it took for my own newsletters, like, you know, it took me over a year to get uh, past a thousand subscribers, but then from a thousand to 1500 was like two months. And so like it goes really quickly only after you've had the compound effect of consistency and writing, you know, long enough. And, you know, not all the content's going to be a banger or like a home run, but it's, you have to keep consistently doing it um, uh -huh. and showing up when you say you would. Yeah. And so I'd say start with that in mind and, but then also think about, you have to be aware of like who else your, your audience is like consuming that may be similar. So, and it's, this is probably the harder part is that there's so much content that's similar in the world. How do you find the ones that, you know, you can add your own unique experience to your own unique voice to 
that isn't already being covered another way. So you have to think about not just what you write about, but like how you're going to deliver it and like what makes your point of view slightly different or, or, or even better in some cases than others. Um, so like you, one, you have to test, you have to play around to see how that works. So like social media is a great place to test. Uh-huh. You, you can li- live or die by the likes, you know? So you can say, okay, people didn't like that. So, you know, rewrite it, try something different. See if you get a little bit more engagement and then yeah. similar, you can then go deeper on stuff that people do like. Um, so yeah. that's, that's probably what I'd recommend if you're just thinking about starting in one today. Cool, yeah, cool. So consistency is key. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But look, Mike, absolute pleasure to have you on the pod. Uh, really enjoyed the episode. Um, I guess the final to close it out or what would be your advice for someone that is looking to get to that CISO role similar to yourself? I'll say the the CISO role is uh, it's an interesting one, um, and there's many ways you can get there. My advice would probably be think about why you want the CISO role because I would say it's probably not as glamorous as people have <laughs> have made it out to be in their heads. Um, and think about like what you know what what will it get you in, or in your own in your own estimation like what will it enable you to do? Um, and then what do you what do you what do you envision like a CISO doing? Um, cause if you look at like, if you work at a company today that, and you work for a CISO and you think, oh, I could do that, you know, there's, there may be some truth to that, but that also, there's probably a lot more involved in the job than you might think. That's probably not fun. You know, <laughs> a lot of CISO jobs are, yeah. are not that fun from time to times. Um, but you know, I, I would say another, another piece is like, you know, you can always go smaller. And, and you can, you'll have a higher chance of going smaller than you will necessarily, you know, slogging at a bank for 30 years and hoping you one day get the chance to, you know, apply to be the CISO. That's not going to happen for most people. Um, and especially the bigger the company, the more likely the company is to go outside to find their next key executive hire. Um, because companies, big companies, old companies, established companies like sure bets, they don't like, uh, experimenting. So, your best bet is to like find a smaller role, find the one you can take a little more ownership and, but find one that's still like close to kind of your niche and your, your areas uh, of like shrinks and, and lean into that. Awesome advice, Mike. Pleasure having you on my man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me.